Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. And I want to start this series with us entitled, Wait Till I Get My Money right put in that chat section real quick wait till i get my money right put it in there encourage somebody say wait till i get my money right wait till i get my money right and if those of you saying pastor b well my money is right well keep my money right is what i gotta keep my money right how about that uh we understand that we did we minister to different demographics and different um, social and economic uh, statuses and so we understand that um, we're, we want to be able to preach to the whole man and so uh, that's why God has really impressed upon me to start this series because I want us even if you are wealthy and even if you're working on your finances to really learn how to steward wealth God's way this is what the series is about it's about stewarding wealth God's way what is God's viewpoint about money because if we understand his viewpoint about money, we will keep it in his perfect, in his, in his right place. All right, keeping it in his right place. We wanna keep things that God has ordained in his proper place so it does not overcome or overtake us or that we will not fall prey to its temptation. All right, so then by the end of this series, it is my desire that uh, we will see money God's way to become better stewards over our funds and position somebody say position ourselves for generational wealth generational wealth we got to change it oftentimes this morning I want to take the moment to erase the stigma that is around money when we talk about finances in church it's one of those topics that people just they get uneasy when we start talking about budgeting and all of this stuff we get uneasy we don't like to come face to face with our own affairs but we want to we want to do that and I also want to put this out here first what I am going to teach over these next couple of weeks this is not something that old pastor B is about to preach a prosperity gospel and he gonna tell you I'm here to get money to you and all of this stuff this is not what this is about what you need to understand ladies and gentlemen that the gospel period is prosperous it, 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 it just is. Uh, if somebody tells you otherwise, you're wrong. We serve a prosperous God. He owns everything. God is so, God is so prosperous that the streets, we are told in heaven, are paved of gold. So this is the type of God we serve, right? But God wants us to have the healthy perspective on, on what prosperity is because we're not talking about that money is gonna bring you happiness in this, it's not that. We're not telling you that you're gonna become a millionaire overnight, that's not what we're teaching. We're teaching that no matter what level you are on or what level that God has you stewarding your money at right now, how to be faithful over that and be content, all right? What we have to understand is I like what John said in the book of third John chapter one, verse two, he says, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And so Jesus, when he came, ladies and gentlemen, he said, I came that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Those of you who have wealth, I want you to live uh, life abundantly with making sure that your soul is prosperous. Yeah. 
So it's not just about you prospering and getting all this money and chasing the bag like we how the world teaches us and you got to chase after the bag. You got to keep your little coins. Nah, you have to put it in its proper uh, perspective. All right. And so we want to establish in this first message today entitled God's view on money. We want to establish this basic foundation on how God views money. This is something that I found very interesting, ladies and gentlemen, that the Bible is packed of over 2,000 scriptures about money, tithing in the Bible and possessions. God talks about this subject a lot. And if you notice in some of the parables that Jesus taught, he also taught a lot about possessions. He taught a lot about how we go about doing and stewarding money because he has a lot to say about it. Because here's the thing, sometimes the love of it becomes a hindrance to faith. It becomes a hindrance to us where we begin to, that's the main priority where we uh, prioritize that above family, prioritize that above uh, uh, God, prioritize it. And, and that's where many evils come out of is the love of it. And so we want to we want to we want to be able to understand uh, what money is. And so listen here, money is a means of exchange. Uh, in today's time, it's changing. It used to start with coins. Well, but back in the day, it was gold, or uh, or back in the day, even further than gold, you know, cattle and different things like that was used as a form of exchange. Yeah. But then, as time has evolved, we go from gold being the standard, then from gold to being coins. Then from coins, then we get, all right, we're going to use paper for a level of exchange. Then now from paper, we are now in a transitional period in history and in our time where things are changing again, where it's going to be moving from physical paper to digital currency. We're in this shift right now. But here's the thing that you have to understand about money, ladies and gentlemen, that money is amoral. A moral. What does I mean by that? It means a lacking a moral sense, unconcerned with the righteousness or wrongness of something. That's what it means. Money is neutral. Money, ladies and gentlemen, is neutral. Money doesn't have a life. It cannot act on its own. It cannot do good deeds. It cannot commit crimes. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, it's neither good or bad, no matter how many Bible verses about money there is. There, ladies and gentlemen, money does nothing on its own. That's right. That's right. I want to make that clear. Let's go here to the first scripture I want you to put up there for us is um, 1, Timothy, 1, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. I don't have a foundational verses. I don't have a foundational verse. I have a, 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 a series of verses that I'm going to use to uh, lay a foundation here. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 says, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, uh, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. So again, it is, ladies and gentlemen, he did not say, and this is where people get it uh, messed up here and get it, you know, they, money is not evil. It's not evil. What, make, what makes money either good or does good or does bad is based upon uh, the possessor. Who is the one that's possessing it? Yeah. And whoever is the possessor, depending on where their heart is, 
could either use their money for evil or use their money for good. Watch me. And it says for the love of money. So what it's saying is, is that some love of money, we should not have because the love of money creates greed. It creates uh, 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 all types of evils because we'll do anything for it. We'll cut anybody. We'll do anything. Uh, that's why we have various different uh, 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 crimes and stuff like that. Yeah. Sometimes it's over one thing is because of the love of money. Yeah. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, but money itself is not evil. Money is immoral. It does not have a conscience. It doesn't. It's, it's neutral. It's neutral, ladies and gentlemen. And so God talks so much about money, ladies and gentlemen. He talks so much about possession because he's talking about it in a matter of, of, of one's heart. God don't care so much about your money. He cares about where your heart is. And so money, ladies and gentlemen, then becomes a test of one's loyalty. Put it in the chat section say money is a test of one's loyalty. Yeah. It becomes a test now. Where are you at? Because let me tell you something. There's plenty of men and women in the Bible that were, were wealthy. I'm going to tell you now, all of the people that you like to talk about, and that's why I don't understand when people talk about, you know, I understand that just because people have mishandled and abused this idea of prosperity and all of this stuff does not make the actual teaching bad. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It does not make it bad. It makes the person who misabused it bad. Yep. All right? Just like when people say, I don't know why you like the Bible. It's believing slavery and people use it for slavery. The Bible's not bad because somebody's heart was wicked. You get what I'm saying? Because a person how chose to handle and misabuse or misappropriate the word does not mean that the Bible itself is terrible. All right, so let's make that very clear. Let's make that very clear. Well, we have to understand that many men and women, let me give you some examples here that God favored with wealth. Let's go with Abraham. Matter of fact, before let's go to Abraham, let's go to Adam and Eve. Had everything. Adam and Eve were very wealthy. Had everything. Starts in the garden. They could do anything they wanted. Have anything they want. Start in the garden. Be fruitful be and multiply. That's all you had to do. Subdue the land. They had everything. Then let's move. Let's move. And, and, and let's move on. Abraham, plenty money. These people were not. These people were not poor. Let's keep it moving. Jacob, plenty money. Let's go to King Solomon, one of the wealthiest men that ever lived. Solomon had plenty money, and Solomon talks a lot about money because he tells you that at the end of the day, money itself. It's vanity. It's all vanity. That's what he says in Ecclesiastes. It's all vanity. But and then also at the same time, Solomon also says that money can solve all things, can solve some issues. Now, you can't purchase happiness. You can't get certain stuff. But let me tell you something. Money does solve some problems. Can I get amen there? Amen. It can solve some problems. All right. Let's not act like you don't need it to survive. You do. <laughs> You need it to survive. Money does solve all things. Now, let's go there. Matthew wasn't, wasn't poor neither. Matthew had money. Luke 5, verse 27 and 29 will tell you that. Joanna in the New Testament. Luke 8, verse 3. She had money. Joseph of uh, Arimathea. Matthew 27, and, uh, and Matthew 27, verse 57 would let us know he had money. Zacchaeus. 
Zacchaeus, he was a rich man. I mean, he's short dude, but rich. Luke chapter 19, verse 8, tell us that he had money. And see, here it is. Jesus said that it's hard for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God, but he never said that it was impossible. So for those of you who think, oh, rich people, they ain't saved, they're lying. There are those people who are wealthy that love the Lord. He did not say that it's impossible for a rich man to, uh, to receive the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say that. He said it is hard because some people put more trust in their fortunes and in their possessions than what they can do about uh, do than humbling themselves before God. So let's get that straight now. And that's why there's been such this stigma created about wealth, because it was like and that's how some people who are wealthy can't really get what the church sometimes, because it's almost like you belittle them because they have what they have. So that's why here at TCF, we're trying to preach to the whole man. We're trying to preach to the whole man. Trying to bring us into a holistic approach. Because some of you, you preach down and try to talk about them, but you wish you was in their position. All right. Now, watch me. Lydia, Lydia, this is very good. Lydia, Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, uh, were all individuals of great means who were God used for special work and purpose. Used for a special work and purpose. So God blessed these people. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it was a mark of, of, of the favor of God upon a person because of their wealth. But you cannot treat that as a barometer. Uh, you get what I'm saying? That's not a barometer because God's on somebody's life because they got a bunch of money. That's not it. That's not, that's not true. It's not a specific barometer, but in that time, for that particular moment, that's what people kind of contributed to. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so I just want you to see this and, and make it plain that God used these different people that had money. And I'm just giving you just a little bit of people. But let me talk about Job. Job was a wealthy man, too. Job was very wealthy. And so even when God, God allowed the enemy to mess with his stuff and everything, after all of that, he was even more wealthy after he proved his loyalty to God. Because guess what? God took all his possessions, and that is a test of what Job would be. Will you curse God because you lost everything? Again, money is a test, can be a test of where your loyalty really lies. Did he really trust in God, or did he trust in his possessions and the God that allowed him to have what he had? And so my relationship with God is based upon my possessions, not based because of who he is. And so Job, when God saw that he did not curse his name, the scripture says he gave him double for his trouble. And if you look at the, if you read the book of Job and all of the hell he went through and what God did for him that, guess what? The wealth that he had prior to had nothing on what God gave him next. Is that making sense? Yeah. I hope this is making sense. Wait till I get my money right. So here we have it. Here we have it is what is the biblical view of wealth? There's a couple things that I want to give you. Number one, I want to show you two parts. I want to show you, again, what is the biblical view of wealth and how God wants us to view wealth, all right? And then this is, and we're going to get out of here. Number one, watch this, is that you should not love it. 
You should not love it. Money is not something that you should love. Even though, I mean, like I said, I live in many. I live in many. But it's not something that should have your full fidelity or trust. You cannot put your, the psalmist says, some trust in horses and chariots, but I'll trust in the name of the Lord. That there's something that he says for the love of money is the root. That's where it begins. That's the root of all kinds of evil. That's how people get in debt. That's the evil. That's how people do things out of malice because it's the evil. That's how people's greed and corruption. Look at your look at look at your governments wherever you are. Look at your certain places of businesses, certain things like that that's happening in your communities because of the level of greed. Number one, you shouldn't love it. Number two, I got to move that it can become a it can it should not be an idol. That's right. It should not be an idol. Psalm sixty-two verse ten. I don't have it there, but I'm going to give it to you. Do not trust in oppression, nor vainly hope in robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. But the big, biggest thing is, is that anything, be, be, uh, anything can become an idol in your life. Anything. We can hold as an idol. That means something that we hold as, that we worship. Or we hold of high esteem or value. You get what I'm saying? And so the problem is, is say God says that you should have no other gods but me. And the problem is, is that a lot for a lot of us, money is your God. Money is your God, your fame, your all of that. You, you want that to be your God and and you'll do anything to chase it. And this is where I'm trying to shift your perspective about money is that God does not want us to pursue money. He wants us to pursue him and contentment. Because if you can pursue purpose and your purpose in him, money will follow you. Yeah. Are you get what I'm saying? Say again. I want to make that very clear that a lot of you, you chasing the bag and going out of your way and, and, and running yourself down to a hole and nothing against your hustle, nothing against your work ethic, because you do need work ethic. Because, again, the scripture didn't teach us that if a man don't work, he don't eat. Right. So I'm not coming against work ethic. I'm not coming against there's nothing wrong with having ambition. Right. But you have to have it in its proper place. You have to have a healthy spiritual perspective, a healthy spiritual ambition. And that ambition is to do the will of God. Like we talked about last week, that healthy ambition is to do the will of God. And while doing the will of God, you will see the fruit of it. So you chasing everything else about uh, uh, then chasing the will of God. If you chase the will of God, ladies and gentlemen, that everything that you're supposed to have, God will add it to you. Amen. Everything that he's intended for you to have, if you long after him, if you chase after him, if you seek his, his kingdom first. All these other things will be added. But you trying to go to the things to be added, but you haven't seen him first. And if you allow that to become an idol, Jesus said that man cannot worship a uh, 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 mammon in my son. It can't, don't work. It don't work. When you place other things as idols, you start getting into an unhealthy place and start putting God in a place where um, uh, you, you start to un- get, devalue God and value other pos- your possessions, your stuff more than God. Here's why the pandemic has shaken a lot of people is because the pandemic has affected everyone, no matter what stage of life you're on. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so what makes us want this pandemic to go away is that it's, a sh it's shaked up so much things that we can't even, that your possessions are so up and down. The stock market is so up and down. The crypto market is so up and down. The housing market is so up and down. Things that we, the, 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 the industry right now is all up and down. Certain industries are up and down to the point where it's still like we want it to be gone. We want it to be done away with because it's upsetting it, it, and it's showing wherever your treasure is, wherever it is, that's where your heart is. It's showing where your heart is. That's why a lot of people, even in church, pastors, oh, I don't want to throw down the church. The money going to be affected because you worried about that. And not seeking first the kingdom of God. If some things happen, the righteous will always be taken care of. If God did not care about money, right? If money was something that he did not care about, why is it that when the, when the biggest wealth transfer that we know in the, in the Old Testament, why is it that uh, when the children of Israel left out of, ex, out of Egypt, they left with all of the gold, all of the economy of Egypt went with them because God cares about his people. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to give you a healthy approach about this. I'm not trying to take too long, but I want you to see this, that you should not make it an idol because whatever you need is found in God. And God is concerned about your resources. God is concerned about you. God cares for you. All right? God cares for you, and that's what you have to understand. And so if God cares for you, God cares about your whole self. God cares about your whole self. It is not God's desire for you to struggle every day of your life. That's not his desire. His desire is for all of us to come into alignment with his will, his perfect will for our lives, and to live in a place of contentment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, let's move forward and, and let's go to what God wants us to view, uh, how God wants us to view money and wealth. Number one that you have to understand what is a healthy perspective about money. Here's the first one here. That money should be a tool slash resource. It's a tool. It's something that we use as a resource. I said a resource, not a source. It's a difference. Something that we use as a resource. Now, it, here, here, here's one, one of the main priorities with, about wealth and money. Here's the thing. How else is God's kingdom supposed to be financed and funded? I know you don't like to talk about it in church. Oftentimes, the church gets criticized about, oh, they ain't doing nothing for the community, and you ain't doing, like the church got money to just grab out of nowhere. That's right. That's right. Oh, every time somebody talks about, oh, all the church wants is your money, but you don't have a problem when you're going to a sporting event. You got to pay for parking. You got to pay to go into the stadium. You know what I'm saying? Expensive yeah. seats, but yet, and they're not getting anything back to you. But, but the thing about it is you want the service. You want somebody to bury you. You want somebody to marry you. You want to make sure that you got a, per, a proper kids program for your children to be there. You want, uh, you want to make sure that you in uh, air condition and all of this stuff. And you're trying to figure out, oh, the pastor's trying to steal my money. Just because you got a couple of bad rotten apples does not make the church bad. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so you talk about all of this stuff about what the church is doing. You want the church to feed the homeless. You want the church to, to, to give to this program, to give to that program, to do all of this money. And my thing is, where is the money coming from? That's right. 
Who has God placed the money in? He's placed it in our hands. And I said our hands because I sow, I tithe. My wife and I are tithers. We tithe into the ministry. You get what I'm saying? Listen, God says, listen, it is a tool. So because it's a tool, I require 10%. Here's the thing about tithing, ladies and gentlemen, right? God says, if, you are, if you're truly tithing, that means that he says, bring all of it to the storehouse. Bring all of it. If you're truly tithing, it has to first be sown into a, a, a church and for it to be a true tithe. And what I'm saying is I'm not calling for your tithe here. If you want to tithe here, God bless you. But I'm saying is we, we understand that you can tithe anywhere. Right. You can tithe anywhere. We would love it here. Amen. We got things to do. Let me get that clear. But, but it's to tithe anywhere. You get what I'm saying? Because that's what God requires. And, and the tithe existed before the Old Testament law. Yeah. It existed then. Abraham gave a tenth yeah. to Mount Kesedek. You get what I'm saying? And so God says, it's, if it's a tool, then, then I, here's my, pro, if, you, if you see it as a tool, then guess what? You give me the 10 out of your loyalty. You give me the 10 and, and, and watch what I do with you just being consistent with that. Watch what I do. Why not pour out the, why not pour out? Matter of fact, Malachi said, test me. Test me. So when you do that, when you, te- when you say, listen, God, I'm going to use my money as a tool for your kingdom, for your work. And here's what I'm saying. If you don't like where your money is being sown into, change it. That's right. Amen. Amen. Instead of complaining about where you're giving to, change it. That's you have a responsibility <clears throat> to your own, to your, to your house. To your affairs, if you see that the money is being abused and misappropriated, then what you do is take your tithe and put it somewhere else. Put it at another kingdom house that is doing the work of the kingdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's that simple. You don't got to complain about it. If you see something being misappropriated, if you see it, it ain't right, certain things, houses not happening, all of that, take your money, your tenth, that you didn't work hard for and put it somewhere else. That's simple. So it existed prior to, right? It existed prior to Abraham lifted a tenth to Mount Kesedek as a tenth. It's always existed. But here in the New Testament, you are here in the New Testament because of the dispensation of grace. Now we give according to our ability. Now, the base is the tenth. That ain't gone nowhere. But some of us can do more than the tenth. You get what I'm saying? Here, watch me. It's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3 and 5. Uh, this is what Paul was saying. He says, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. He's talking about the church of, uh, I believe, the church of Thessalonica. He said, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints, and only and not only as we had hoped, but, uh, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Again, your work uh, is a tool for kingdom work. Another thing is, is that it's a tool for everyday needs and wants. Money's a tool. I've read one article, it's like, it's just for your needs. God doesn't concern about, no. Yes, if you got money, you, it's not wrong to want certain things. That's right. 
Are you getting what I'm saying? It's nothing wrong to want certain things as long as your heart is right. And sometimes you just want what you want because it's nice. You get what I'm saying? It's nothing wrong with that. And that's why people get a stigma. Now, my wife do too much of what she likes. You know, like I said, we trying to get our money right. <laughs> I'll throw her on the bus. <laughs> but it's a tool for everyday needs, and it's a tool for everyday wants. Let's move forward. I got to move. Uh, it's a tool to create generational wealth in order to leave an inheritance. Can I, can I, can I, can I stop right here? Can I, can I park my car in this moment right here? Here's the thing, and I, I know that TCF speaks to different communities, right? We, we speak to different demographics, different races. But can I talk to my community for a second? Instead, we don't understand the blessing of, the gener- of, of generational wealth. It is something that our, brothers, our Jewish brothers and sisters understand. And they leave, and, they, and, and that's how they are able to leave their families and set them up with certain things because it, it, it's, it's passed. It was passed down to them. Since the beginning, when, they, when, when, they, when, when it was formed, I'm trying to tell our community, my African brothers and sisters, we have to get better with setting up our next generation so that they don't have to work as hard as we did or as our parents did. You have to set them up. Yes, it's important to leave a lasting legacy of the things that you've taught them, the lessons you've learned. All of that is great, right? And that's something that we can treasure. But it's also good to treasure actual funds that can be invested. We need to be creating trust funds. We need to be setting up our kids so that they don't, not, it's not saying that they don't have to work or nothing like that. It's so that they understand the value of, hey, you need to do this same thing so that it's set up my grandchildren and set up your great-grandchildren. This is what we call generational wealth. And so here's the problem is we're passing on debt. We're passing on debt, and then some of us don't even have life insurance policies, and we leave our families, we leave our families trying to uh, uh, scramble money around, putting them in debt to bury you. That ain't right. It ain't right. That is not right. That is not right. Don't be putting out no Oh my God, life insurance policies are not so expensive. We need to invest in ourselves and our family. Instead of you putting out your cash app, your GoFundMe, and using that as a life insurance policy. Well, we're going to put it on GoFundMe and see what God can do. Are you serious? That means you have not stewarded your stuff properly. I'm talking because it's the truth. We have to get better at this. I'm tired of seeing this. You got enough money to bury them, but we can't give nothing away. Are you kidding me? We got to do something more than that. We have to set our families up. We have to set them up for generational wealth, set them up to create businesses, set them up so that they can be in position to do certain things so it can create wealth. We have to have financial literacy. 
That's why we're doing this series. And that's why it's not just stopping in the series that all year long, I'm bringing certain people on to talk about money, uh, to have money talks all this year and certain times of the year, because we need to hear from people who have done it so that we can position ourselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so this is very important to me right now. This is what Proverbs 13, 22 says. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. That's what, that's what Solomon said. Listen, a good man or a good woman leaves an inheritance to his children's children. He didn't say his children, but it's to his children's children. He leaves an inheritance. And he's talking about money. He does not talking about legacy. He's talking about money. And this is not me saying, oh, we just, you got family members chasing. It's not about that. It's about what you are leaving to set up your, set up your family. Leave a legacy that you set up your family and they don't have to worry about what happens if something happened to you. That's the best thing. If you want to really rest in quote unquote peace, rest in the peace of knowing that I set my family up. And if they squander it, they got to answer to God. Because after I'm gone, you got to do whatever you got to do with it. Because I'm not no longer here. So I already stored it up for you. If you squander it, it's your problem, not mine. I'm in heaven chilling. (laughs) That's your problem now, not mine. It ain't no guardian angel. I ain't nobody guardian angel. You got guardian angels, but I ain't one of them. It ain't coming from heaven and just like, Lord, let me come back down so I can sprinkle a little bit more money under the pillow. Nah, it don't work that day. It don't work like that. Once it's gone, it's gone. But those of you who are good stewards knows how to multiply what's in your hand. Now let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, Number two, money is what we should steward, but should never be our master. Money is something that we steward. The biggest thing, uh, uh, the reason, uh, the best way that you have to see money in scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is that God always talks about it in the form of stewardship. Why does he talk about it in the form of stewardship? Because he owns everything. And everything that you have is because he has allowed you to have it. Understand this, Psalm 24, verse 1, it says that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and, then, and, 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 and those who dwell therein. Everything is God's. Yeah, everything. everything. He created it, so it's his. It's not the universe. It's his. The universe is his. Yeah. <laughs> everything that's made, everything therein is his. It's his. We are stewards over this earth. And how do I know this? Because he started it in the garden. You got to go back to the Genesis. The Genesis was the principle of stewardship was started in the garden. This is what his intention was. If you want to know what God views about money and possession, go to the Genesis of it. I want you to, listen, I want you to work in this garden. Adam worked. He had to work before he got a woman. Brothers, don't talk, don't try to take no date on no girl and you don't got no job. Have your stuff right first. 
and then talk to her. I'm not here to bash my brothers, but listen, brothers, make sure you got a stable income. Don't spend money you don't have. If your girl wants you to be spending all this money and using credit cards you don't got, she ain't the one. Go to somebody else. Don't be going broke and then she only care for what you can do for you. Listen, you got to start out. You got to start out right. Don't start lavish first. Especially if you can't keep it up. <laughs> then your girl going to be like, hmm. I said I set myself up when I bought my wife's ring. I'll tell you. <laughs> I set myself up. Oh, oh man. I set myself up. I'm like, I've got, I'm trying to give you advice that I should I should have started off a little smaller first. <laughs> ah, should have started off a little smaller first so the next ring she could be like, ooh. She started off with an upgraded ring. I said, my God. I said, Lord, I should have probably started. I should have worked her way up. Now I got to be like, Lord, you got to help me, you know, make some more of this money so I can. So she don't get something else. It got to it got to be better than the one that she got. All right. And so, again, you got to see it in the Genesis that I want you to I play. I, I created this and then I, I'm, I, I sat man here. I sat him here in the garden, placed him in the garden. What he says is now I want you to be I want you to work. Do anything you want in the garden. Just don't eat that tree. He tells him, I want you to go ahead and name the animals. Name it. Whatever he named it, that's what it was. That's the type of authority God gave him. God, almost like the animals, the animals even thought that Adam was like God because of how he was in the image of God. That's how close he was. Be fruitful, be multiply, subdue, subdue the earth. I want you to steward over what I've given you. And here we go. We here we go. Here here's the problem. Look at the Genesis. And this is where we fall prey. When we allow certain things to enter in in our midst like the serpent to come to try to put thoughts in our head to allure us into that temptation. And and guess what? What used to be yours now has been forfeited to someone that should not have had it. And you get into financial, a lot of us get into financial trouble because we allow the temptation of seeing what we see on TikTok, seeing what we see on Instagram, soon seeing what we see in the metaverse to determine what we should do because you want to keep up. Ladies and gentlemen, when we talk about a steward, we're talking about a trustee, a guardian or overseer who manages the property or financial affairs of another person. All money belongs to God, and we are only stewards over his resources. So everything belongs to him, and we ought to steward. Not only is stewarding the money, but we need to steward over the earth. I know people talk about global warming and all this stuff like that, but we we do need to contribute to not polluting the air and doing certain things like that that is not good for the ecosystem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, let's go to Luke chapter 16, verse 
I gotta move. I gotta move. I'm I'm sorry. I gotta move. Let's move. Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. I, I just really want to teach this because this is very vital to what I see. We prophesied in the very beginning of the year that we are in the beginning of the biggest wealth transfer and we gotta position ourselves. This teaching these next few months, these next few weeks is to position ourselves. You position yourself with the tithe. You position yourself with, 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 with stewarding and budgeting and all of that, which we'll talk about in, the, in these next few weeks. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Uh, Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, if you are faithful in little things, you, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Let's, 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 let's um, unpack this a little, bit, uh, a little bit more. See, here's the thing. A lot of us, including myself, we want more money, and we think more money will fix our problems. That's not true. That's not true. I got a scripture for that later. But here's the reality, ladies and gentlemen. Some of us can't even be a master over our, over our budget, a little budget we have now. We can't even be faithful over it. Let's be honest. Let me be honest and I tell on myself. Part of the position of reason why I'm in far as my weight right now is giving in to the temptation of eating out. I would be a little bit more skinnier if I didn't do that. <laughs> Some of this weight, access weight due to this pandemic and due to <laughs> has been caused has been caused of me not being faithful and in my, huh? And two, my wife can cook. Amen. I give her that. And uh, it's just not healthy for me. <laughs> and so a lot of us, let me tell you something. A lot of us, if you look at your bank statements by the end of the year and look at how much money you paid in food alone, you would say, my God, I, would, I had some money. Yes, you did. $20 add up, y'all. And then let me tell you something. Oh, my God. Another reason for my weight problem is because um, DoorDash and Uber Eats have become all accessible. It's convenience. And guess what? Convenience kills your pockets. Anybody, you see that DoorDash and you see that service charge on Uber Eats and DoorDash and you say, my God, this joint only costs $20 and now I'm paying $32. Oh, my God. But you say to yourself, I'll take it. Jesus, I don't feel like God. <laughs> it's a pandemic out here, Jesus. I, I'll make it up on the back end. <laughs> I'm trying to make this practical for us, man. I'm trying to make it practical. Let you see these practical practices. If you allotted a certain amount of money for your budget in a month that say, hey, okay, I'm going to be able to eat this out and keep it there. But a lot of times we can't be faithful over that because it's like, man, I'm hungry. We don't go to the grocery store. There was a time my wife and I, we were killing it. Man, when we first got married, we were just, man, we were just using our money. We were just doing right. Cooking together, having all of that stuff. But that schedule got busy and all of that stuff. He's like, what you want to eat tonight? And then here, now let me tell you something. My wife, she is the corporate. She be the one. She be like, Brandon, you know we got to do right. But you know, 
I really want Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be a little sucker. You know what? I don't, I, I think I want that too. <laughs> y'all know, see, I, we telling on ourselves, but I know you. I know y'all out there be doing the same thing. But here's the thing. If you can't be faithful over the little, like, over the budget you have now, how can you begin to steward more resource? Yeah, yeah. Help us, God. If you can't hold yourself. I'm talking to myself, too. You know, we, 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 we've been working on it because we're trying to purchase certain things and stuff like that to put ourselves in a better position. We're doing a little all right, I would say. Doing a little better. Day by day. But how can you be honest with greater responsibilities if you can't be honest with the little you have now? Sometimes more money will be, because of more money, some of us will even lose it more because you couldn't steward this. So you're praying for more and God's looking at you like, listen, are you faithful over this? Because if you're dishonest on the little things, <laughs> you're dishonest on the things, you won't be honest with greater responsibility. Let's go to verse 11. Let's move. I, I got to finish this up. I'm going too long. I need to wrap this up. Verse 12, I mean, verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? He said, if you're untrustworthy with just this, the worldly means of transaction, how could you be trusted with the true riches of heaven? Verse 12, and if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with the things of your own? If you can't be trusted with other people's things and you're dishonest with that, you mismanage or misappropriate that, how do you think you're going to get a, pro a promotion at your job? Some of you want promotions and stuff like that, and you haven't even proven yourself to manage the little work you have. How are you going to be a manager at your job, and, and, and you want that management job at your, at your particular workplace force, and you say, oh, they just passing over me. I've been here for this many years, and this is oh, the person that got in front of me. Well, did they manage their time wisely? Or were you Netflix and chilling while doing your work? Huh? Come on, man. Y'all know we working from home now. <laughs> Let's keep it moving. Verse 13. Verse 13. Watch me. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You cannot be, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. You should not. It should not master you. It should not be, you should not be in bondage to it. Yeah. It should serve you. Exactly. Money is there to serve you. Exactly. Not for you, not for it to, not for you to be in bondage to it, but for you to, so for it to serve you and serve the kingdom of God and serve of, of making sure that your needs and your wants and your family's needs are, 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 are well. You can't do that. That's why I be telling you, you can't serve two masters. It don't work. You got to serve God. Now, let's, let's close here. Let's close here. Let's wrap this up. Money should not be used to determine happiness. Everybody thinks that more money will bring happiness and bring joy. 
and all that. And let's be honest, money can bring, it can bring the fact of, listen, I don't got to worry about stuff, all of that. But it don't bring happiness. Your wealth does not bring happiness. Your happiness and your joy have to be rooted in Christ. That's why you can't be enslaved to it, because if you're enslaved to money, you will never feel whole. Because you'll feel like, because guess why? Let me tell you why. Because you'll never feel like you have enough of it. All of us be honest with you. If you, if you allow it to be enslaved to you, you will never feel like you have enough of it. There's people who are billionaires who feel like, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And it's not that they don't have enough of it. It's just that they're not content. Yes, that's the word, content. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Paul in Philippians chapter 4 teaches us a whole lesson about contentment. He said, I learned how to be content here. I learned, I learned to, 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 to live with nothing, have it all gone. I've learned how to be content. He said, I learned. He said, and my God shall supply all of my needs because he learned how to be content. In whatever circumstance he was in, Paul said, I've learned how to be content. The truth of the matter is, is that we, ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to a place of contentment. God is calling us to a place of wholeness. And while money can accomplish certain things in our earthly, in, 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 in our earthly, uh, uh, in our physical state, it cannot accomplish things that our soul longs for. Our soul longs for wholeness. Our soul longs for contentment. It cannot bring happiness. It's not going to bring happiness. Happiness is momentary. God wants you to bring joy. Let's go Ecclesiastes 5.10 as we conclude. He who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver, nor he who loves abundance with increase. This is also, this also is vanity. That's what the, Solomon, the richest man, the preacher, Ecclesiastes, he says, listen, that's not going to bring you anything. Listen, I have a whole lot of it. But it didn't. It's all vanity. It's all vanity. And money's only for here. You're trying to store up a whole bunch of riches and stuff that can't travel where you're going. You're trying to purchase your way of, of living longer. And all of this stuff, and it's not going to help you where you're going. Money is only, and whatever form of exchange or how we exchange stuff is only for this present time. And that's why God, what God has to offer is more than what the world can sell you on. There's nothing wrong with money. There's nothing wrong with being rich. There's nothing well with being uh, um doing well for yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. But why not add on contentment to your wealth? Why not add on peace, true peace, and with wealth? Stop trying to chase the bag because you will never feel like you have enough. You think money's going to give you happiness. You think money's going to do, do this and do that, but it cannot do that. Money can solve some problems, but it cannot solve the sin issue. 
and a heart issue that a person has, which then will determine what you will do with the money because money is immoral. It's neutral. But people determine the outcome of which they decide to use finances. Wait till I get money right is seeing finances God's way. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to take a deeper dive and seeing things God's way so that we can be free from the bondage of being enslaved to money so it can work for us and not us working for it. All right. Amen. Now, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, I offer you Jesus. Like I said, the best thing that you can ever do, no matter what level of life you are, no matter what social or economical way of life you are right now, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one that can give you the joy. Jesus is the one that can give you the peace. He died that you may have, that you may live and have life more abundantly. Us offering salvation to you is understanding that you need to understand that you're a sinner. And I understand that you're being saved from sin and its hold and its bondage on you. Believe it or not, sin has bondage on you. And Jesus died to say, hey, no longer will you be a slave to it. You can be free today. <clears throat> if you say, Pastor B, I, listen, I'm already saved, but I drifted away. I allowed me to, I was serving two masters and I let myself go. You can come back home today. You can come back home today. If that's you, come on. Come on. Don't you let another minute go by. Don't let you, not, not, not another second. Today's the day of salvation. You're saying, Pastor B, listen, I love this church. I want to be a partner in this church. I want you to be my covering. If that's you, we would love to cover you here at TCF. It is an honor. It is a privilege to be able to pass you. But more importantly for you to be a partner of this church, we want you to make sure that you're partnered with Jesus. Say this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I acknowledge that I am a sinner, that I'm far away from you, and I need to be saved today. I acknowledge that you died on the cross, that you were that you were buried, and that you rose again, and that you ascended to the right hand of the Father just for me. And I want to accept you as the Lord and Savior in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, if you said that prayer for the very first time, text that text transform to 9400. Do it right now. Don't wait another second. Do it right now. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not promised. Actually, today is not even promised. Something could happen to you in a matter of minutes, in a matter of seconds that can change your life drastically. Today is the day. This is the moment. This is the time. Give your life to Christ right now. Don't you wait. Don't you wait. Come on, right now. Right now is your moment. People are praying. People are waiting. This is your moment. This is your time. In Jesus' name, come on. Give God a praise for those who've made a commitment today. We don't know who, where they are, but make the God give them, give God a praise for their lives. Another people that are coming on home. Coming on home. Listen, it's giving time. Listen, can I put some? Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. 
We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.